Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Jenks and the Hammer podcast. Bringing you the latest NFL news and insights from the perspectives of two diehard fans. Join your hosts, Grayson Jenkins and John Hammerly, as they dive deep into the world of football, along with a special focus on the New Orleans Saints and the Green Bay Packers. So sit back, relax, and get ready for some football talk with Jenks and the Hammer. And here we go, here we go! What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Jenks and the Hammer podcast. Hope you guys had a great weekend. Uh, we got an awesome episode for you guys today with a special guest, the only Commanders fan I know, Ned Stimson. Hell yeah. Welcome to the show. Thank you guys for having me. It's awesome to be yeah. here. It's a yeah. pleasure, seriously. It's awesome to have Ned. Life is better with Ned. With, <laughs> Thank you. Life is, life is better with Ned Stimson. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Around. Um, so we got a good episode. We're going to be talking some Commanders with Ned, with Ned and then we're going to break down our top eight edge rushers in this upcoming draft. So let's get right into let's it. Let's do it. All right, hopping right into the commander section. Uh, we got a few questions we're going to ask Ned just to kind of see how he became a commander's fan, what he thinks about the commanders this offseason and this upcoming season. Let's get right into it. So Ned, from New York City, um, you never really grew up in Washington, anything like that. So how did you become a commander's fan? What was What's that yeah. story? Fun fact, I actually went to D.C. for the first time um, to see a game in 2021. So it was the only time I've been to D.C. was to see the Commanders live. Taylor Heineke started, and we lost a horrible game to the Philadelphia Eagles through a heartbreaking interception in the fourth quarter. Thank you, Taylor Heineke. I'll never never, uh, forgive you for that. All right, so yeah, being from New York City, I know it's unconventional to be a Commanders fan, apart from the absurdity that it is to be that anyway. Um, you know, I should be a Giants fan. And honestly, this is all like to the fault of my dad. I love my dad. We've bonded over football, uh, but I have not forgiven him since he made me a Commanders fan. You know, we watch these guys lose every year and it's like solely his fault. And so you must say, oh yeah, my dad, he's probably from Washington, D.C. He is not. He's from Bangalore, Maine. So this gets even stranger. <laughs> like why, you know, why is he, why is he not a Patriots fan? Why couldn't I have witnessed like five Super Bowls by now? Yeah. I don't know. And it's actually because my dad's brother is a Cowboys fan. 
And so my oh, dad so just the rivalry. Bent. Yeah. He's very bent on rivaling the Cowboys, and that's how he dragged me in. Listen, fun fact. Actually, we're not sure my dad got me. Scary Terry, my favorite Scary player. Terry. I'm here to plug him as always. So, yeah, that is how I became a Commander's fan. Scary story. Terry. Um, who's your favorite player growing up? So the first year I really started following was Robert Griffin's rookie year. It was 2012. Okay. I really followed before that. Okay. I'd like to think that if I had been a fan since I had been like five, my favorite player would have been Sean Taylor. Rest yeah. in peace. He would have turned 40 yesterday. Um, but so, you know, yeah, I guess growing up it was kind of RG3. And then as I got, you know, to playing football myself and playing receiver, uh, we had a pretty good receiver group when I was in high school. You know, we had like Pierre Garçon, Deshaun Jackson, uh, Jameson Crowder for a little bit there. And I was really a huge fan of those guys. Yeah, yeah those guys jo- were awesome. Jordan Reed at tight end. Jordan Reed was a wide out. That's a blast. Man. He was really yeah. cool, yeah. Uh, yeah. Commander football was like really fun to watch when I was getting into yeah. it. Now it yeah. sucks. Now it sucks. So speaking, now it sucks. This organization, um, it's been through a lot these past couple of years. So how do we feel about Dan Snyder kind of maybe selling a team, maybe not? And if he does sell a team, who would you like to be the new owner? Yeah. Um, so to preface this, when I got the notification on my phone that Dan Snyder had hired Bank of America, I was in class. Uh, and I started just absolutely <laughs> losing it. I was like wiggling around in my seat. The, my friend next to me was like, hey, man, like, are you okay? Do you need to like exit the room? I showed them and they were like, oh, oh my goodness, that's exciting. And I was like, yeah, it is. It's the best thing to happen to a franchise since I've been a fan, like easily. Um, and with that said, I'm really excited for him to sell. If he doesn't, it would be nothing short of heartbreaking. You know, I'm someone who invests <laughs> myself in these stories. He has sold his Potomac home in Maryland. He spends most of his time in the United Kingdom. And I hear that people, you know, are really far along with these bids. And I know that there's a group that exceeds $6 billion. And with that said, yeah, I fully expect him to sell. And if he doesn't, I'll be really upset. And I think most fans would agree with me that they'd be very upset. Um, as it pertains to who we want, the answer is like literally anybody. Like actually of any, like, because I know, it's, any, you know, there's yeah. like Bezos is in the running, you know, there's like a group with Josh Harris. Uh, there might be a third group. If any of those people purchase the commanders, it'll be a home run. You know, I yeah. love that. I'm pretty yeah. sure though Josh Harris and, co- and company are the, uh, most I think Magic Johnson too. Buyers, yeah. Magic Johnson might be involved. It's it's a couple yeah. of people. I have no problem with that. I love what Josh Harris has done. I mean, I don't know much about the guy, but he turned the 76ers around. They're a pretty good basketball club. So yeah, it'd totally be cool with that group considering they're the only real serious one right now. Yeah. Anyone that's living, breathing, heart beating. Seriously. They're just better than Dan Snyder, man. <laughs> the worst the, like I the worst scenario is him keeping the team for sure, which yeah, I really definitely. do not want to happen. Yeah. Yeah. You think he you think he does anything to try to like sabotage the team before he leaves? There was a thought, you know, I read into what I would call just a wild shot in the dark about, you know, trying to full, give Lamar Jackson like a six year fully guaranteed deal as almost not even like a not even like a uh, sabotage kind of thing, but more trying to like save his own legacy. You know, you sign yeah, this guy yeah. who wins a Super Bowl with a new ownership, you're like, okay, well, Dan Snyder signed that guy. So maybe it's like that kind of thing, but yeah. I think he's kind of given up. The commanders have not spent big in free agency. Um, they haven't really committed to anybody. And I think it's because, you know, with new ownership, you have a transition year with Ron Rivera. He's in year four. And I think if you have a bad year, yeah, you fire Ron Rivera and clear house. Yeah. 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 And I mean, speaking of like free agency, you guys brought in Jacoby Brissett. And now with him and a younger guy, Sam Howell, do you think Jacoby Brissett's more of just kind of like a mentor guy for him? Or do you think there's actually going to be like a quarterback competition? Who do you, who do you think's going to be the starting quarterback? Oh man. 
you just set me off. I could talk about this for like literally <laughs> an hour because I, you know, I've just, I'm a huge fan of Sam Howell. I think that he was criminally underrated coming out. I thought they, I like people say he fell off in 2021. I think you look at those stats and you, you say it's like a half decent year. I think he threw something like 24 touchdowns to 11 interceptions and he ran for eight more touchdowns. It's 32 total touchdowns. Um, and he lost like two thirds of his offensive starters. He was pretty good. You know, they just, UNC just wasn't that good. You can't do it alone. Football's a team game. Um, and I think Jacoby Brissett is really, he's a really smart guy. You know, he is a, he is a rep of being somebody who doesn't cause a lot of drama. You know, he's, he's a good backup. You know, we watched Taylor Heineke sign with the Falcons. Sad, albeit, you know, it was probably time for him to go. Carson Wentz is atrocious. You don't want him back. You don't want him touching a football within like a thousand yards of your facility. And, uh, yeah, I think Jacoby Brissett's more of like a backup mentor. You know, I could, I don't know if you want me to go on for the next 15 minutes about the things I like about Sam Howell. I could, uh, just because I think he's, you know, I think he has some of the best deep ball accuracy of anybody coming out. You know, I think uh, he's great in that. I think his, his overall accuracy and his delivery are really underrated. And I think he has, he has to do a couple things. You know, he's a much smaller guy to be good in the NFL. He's not 6'5", but I think those are really teachable things. I think Sam Howell is going to be the starter week one. So taking a QB in the first round off the table? I wouldn't do it. You don't want it? Um, I don't want Will like, Levis at 16. Like, like, that's the only guy I think we we'll could Like, would you take, like, Hooker? Like, oh, absolutely not. Second round? No. I just you don't like Hooker? What's wrong with him? You know, you know what I will say? Like, we, we talked about this a little bit before we started this. I, I needed to unstick what I want the commanders to, to do versus what I think they're going to do. And here's one thing I'll say about Sam Howell. Last year, they really liked him. They liked him a lot. They only took him because he slid really far. If they had they had an alternate route in which they wanted to go with like a real vet, like somebody who's going to back him up, and they wanted to take Sam Howell like the second round. They wanted to take Sam Howell with like the first fifty picks. You yeah. know, and people some people had him as a first rounder last year, and you know when they got him in the fifth, they felt that they had a steal. And I think yeah, now it's a situation fell. where yeah, where they, they think they have their guy, and they think they got him in the bargain bit. They think they got him for nothing. So. Yeah, I don't think really they're going to go quarterback in those first two days unless something crazy were to happen. You yeah. know, Anthony Richardson slides to the 12th pick. Maybe they start talking about trading up. But even if Will Levis slides to the 16th pick, I suppose that's not out of the realm of possibility. I don't see them making that splash move where they kind of reach on a guy. I don't think you'll, mm-hmm. you'll see Head and Oak go off the board at 16th pick. I'd actually bet yeah, that. That'd yeah, be, that'd be a reach for sure. I think oh, he's yeah. a second round. Even guy. in the second round, I don't think we'd go get him in the second you know, maybe if Hennon Hooker was there on day three, maybe you'd be like, all right, we need to start talking about taking this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is a young team. Um, yeah. I think as everyone knows, the commanders, like, say what you want about the organization, they're always in in it every year, like fighting for, like, a wild card. They are. You know what I mean? They're going to win. They're, they're going to win six, seven games <laughs> like they do. Yeah. Right? They never really blow it. Like, you know, they don't sell. And it's like they got really good receivers. They got – they always have a solid defense. That defensive line is awesome. Yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, we're like after free agency, before the draft, like where do you think this team kind of ends up this next year? You know what I will say is there's two situations that I'd like to see. Um, I'd obviously like to see the commanders go to the playoffs. If the commanders win nine games or more and they go to the playoffs, I would have no issue. I'd be pretty happy with that, especially with the guy who's effectively playing his rookie year. He only played one game last year. Yeah. Um, the other situation I'd like to see is I'd, I'd like to see him tank it. You know, I think I'm looking ahead. I think 2024 is going to be the best year for the quarterback since 2020. You know, you've got a guy in Caleb Williams who Sean Payton was like, this could force the tank, the tanking issue on the NFL. 
because people are going to lose games to this guy. I don't know whether or not that's true. I don't really think that tanking is a real thing that happens. But when you get someone who's, you know, a pundit or an analyst who's saying that, you best believe the guy's pretty good. I mean, you watch Caleb Williams, you're like, dude, this guy kind of reminds me of the guy wearing 15 in Kansas City. Like, he's that good. You know what I'm saying? So, I'm, honestly, if we're not going to the playoffs, I'd love to see us win one game. And it's it's bad, but I think the worst place, the last place I want to be, you know, it's I know middle, as John mentioned, is that middle ground, dude. Middle I don't want to win six yeah. games. I yeah. really don't want to do that, you know. Which is what you guys tend to do every year. Right? Yeah, it's which like, I'm, I'm a little scared of. No, I'm a little scared of all of it that, you know. In 2020 – we had the second overall pick. That was that was the last time we had a really bad year. It was 2019. Got Chase Young. Unfortunate, you know, hindsight's 2020. You would have wanted Justin Herbert with that pick, but it happens. I would hope that we stink this year if uh, if we're not kind of good. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess another – we talked about, like, quarterbacks that you guys could possibly take in the draft. You guys – and you ha- you said how you separate what they do versus what you want. What do you – what do you want them to pick first round? Like, what do you see them going out to get that would benefit the team the most? Um, I think this is a very specific situation. If this happens, I'd be very surprised. Uh, what I would like them to do is I'd like them to trade back and then go get a tight end. Uh, I'd like to see, you know, just acquire a little bit more capital. You know, we lost our third round pick because of the Carson Wentz trade. I'd like to see us trade a little bit back to maybe towards the back end of day one, pick up, you know, one or two day two picks and a day three pick. And go get a tight end, man. Go get, like, Michael Mayer. And if Michael Mayer's off the board, I'm starting to think about Dalton Kincaid because I didn't catch the ball really well. And Eric Bieniemy's offense was around Travis Kelsey. You know, he's calling the offensive shots. I'd really like to see him get a tight end. But what I think is going to happen is I know that they really like Logan Thomas. They really like some of the young guys they have in there. They think Logan Thomas got better as he got healthier. So I don't think they're going to go tight end with the first two days. I'd be very surprised if they did that. I think they'll probably go O-line or corner. Or if someone's falling, then steal but outside of that, I think it's between those two positions. Yeah, and that's another thing. You, I mean, you even just mentioned it that like Eric, like a lot of things get forgotten for the commanders, like in the offseason, like no one really cares about the commanders. But Eric Bieniemy going there, you know, Sam Howell now has a lot of a lot of things going for him. He has Eric Bieniemy to coach him up. Like you said, they might get a, a couple weapons in the draft, like a tight end, something like that. So they got a lot going for him. I can see him definitely doing a lot better than last year. Yeah, Sam I mean, Howell taking over for a whole year is going to be good for him. I think I think the thing that's going to be big for Sam Howell is being, being able to get his footwork right. I didn't really like the depth he got in his drops during the preseason. I thought it kind of put him at a point where the pressure was all in his face. You know, not being a really tall guy, it gets harder to throw around those guys. Yeah. You know, you yeah, have to start switching six, up your arm angles a lot. Five and up. You, start throwing, you have to start throwing around guys. You have to start throwing sidearm. So I think if Sam Howell can get, like, really good depth in his drops, and I think if he can change his arm angles a little bit, then he has the chance to be successful. I mean, I know with Drew Brees – one thing he did was he took these crazy steep drops. Drew Brees would yeah, get, you, drop like eight you see yards him drop so far back. Yeah, yeah. he's Every got it. Man. He's a shorter guy, and that was the one thing I was worried about with Sam Howell. Is it almost it would, it would be like he would do it slowly, and the pressure, the, just the line, the line of scrimmage would move towards him faster. That's what I want to see him do. But I think if he does that, yeah, they've got good weapons. Those two, those three receivers are pretty good. John Dotson's going to be good. Terry McLaurin's already good. You know, I think they got to protect him a little bit. The line was bad. You get a guard, you get a, uh, maybe a tackle, not person not really a Charles Tunnel fan. Pretty good, yeah, on offense at least. Yeah, and your position in the draft too. I think you guys are what, 16, 18, something like, like 16, that. 16, yeah. I think that's like prime position to get like a tight end. Yeah. It's like, right? Because you don't you got I, your pick. I don't pick think a tight end's going in the top fifteen. Like Yeah, we'll be able to take the first one probably. Yeah. And the corner the corner class is really deep. I think those five, four guys go in the first round. Same thing with tackles. Yeah. So Yeah. I mean I just, you guys are in a good place. 
Yeah, I just uh, personally, I'm, I'm a trade down guy. My personal NFL philosophy, if I was the GM of a team, I would always be trading down and acquiring future capital. So I love the trade we made last year. I mean, think about it. You know, the Saints, the Saints and us, we had a little exchange. I, I know Grayson might have some different opinions from me on this trade, but I feel as though we won that trade. The, uh, they got 11, we got 16, we got 98, we got 150, and we got like 160. And with that, you guys got Olave. We got Jahan Dotson. We got Brian Robinson. Even trade, yeah. And we got Sam Howell. That's a haul. You know, Chris Olave could be a That's great good. player. Chris Olave yeah. could turn into an all-pro year this year. And if Sam Howell is a starting quarterback and Jahan Dotson's a pro bowler, that's like pretty good value, man. You know, so yeah, yeah I'm, I'm I, I think both teams, I'd want to see his trade both down. Teams benefited. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, trading down, like a lot of people don't see it as like an attractive thing in the NFL for a team to do, but like there's always, there's always value on the other side. Like oh, you're getting sure. more picks and in the NFL draft, if they know who they want is going to be available later in like in later rounds, it's worth it every time. So, Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, also just like, yeah, I, I think that's huge. That's my because I you look at the teams that have been successful in the NFL in the recent years, and they've just been teams that like stockpiled future assets. You know, like you look at the Dolphins, yeah. you look at the 49ers, what they did with their rosters in like 2020, where they started kind of shipping guys off with first round picks when they could get the value. Yeah, um, they built some crazy rosters there. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at the return on like the Larry Tunsil trade that the Dolphins made a couple years ago. Shout out Alex Gardner, I hope he watches this. Because he talks to me about that all the time. They ended up with Tyreek Hill out of that trade with an asset they got. Man, that trade in like 2018, dude. They got yeah. Tyreek Hill last offseason. So, yeah, I'm big on trading back and just trading your guys in general, which is kind of messed up. But yeah. 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 I mean, I hear it all the time with my dad being a 49ers fan. Like, they're like, That's a 49ers you know, fan. Yeah, like we made trades. We got McCaffrey, and it's like, oh, yeah, we still got 10 picks in this draft. You know, it's oh, like. Yeah. So backload and, you know, trade that first, second round, go get a superstar, and then you got 10 more picks in the back end. So Yeah, I also do. I think the Chris McCaffrey trade in retrospect is crazy. What they give like a second, third, fourth or something? No first round pick, no day one pick. Three, three picks, three. but not three a first. Three picks, yeah. day yeah. two and later. Are you kidding me? For the guys, yeah. maybe the best running back in the NFL? Yeah, but I guess that's the flip side too. I guess it's just a running back, right? Yeah, the running back. I, it's I'm tough familiar with value. And he's had bad injury history too. If, like, yeah, if you think about true. it, that's it's true. Tough. That's true. All right. Well, Ned, thank you so much for coming on. No uh, problem, guys. It was awesome to be here. I hope that I can get on again at some point. Of course. Yeah, we'll definitely bring you back for receivers. So, guys, if thank you, you like you. listening to Ned's takes, we'll be back on for our top eight receivers. So, look forward to that. Awesome. Yeah, thank you again, gentlemen. Appreciate it. Yep. What's up, guys? Welcome to the last segment of the day. We got our top eight edge defenders in this upcoming draft. Let's get right into it. At number eight, we have... Adetamiwa Adebawar, whose name John couldn't pronounce, which I get, but... I couldn't I couldn't figure it out. All right. He's from Northwestern. He's 6'2", 282 pounds. He ran a 4'4", four, 4'9", four, at the Combine. Had a good career at Northwestern. Not any crazy numbers, but he was consistent. Um, he's kind of a tweener, though. Um between edge and interior. He's a little too short to play edge and he's a little too light to play interior. So it's going to be interesting to see whoever drafts him, how they use him. What they do with him, yeah. They're good. I mean, he's super athletic. I mean, if you grew in a 4'4 at 280 pounds. That's an athletic freak. It I think, is. I think you're athletic. Um, has a really awesome explosive upper and lower body. Um he he's quick. He's quick off the line. Like quick first step, you know he can 
make play, you know, in the, he's in the, you know, across his face quick, he's in the C gap. He can make plays in the B gap, um, slips past blockers with a good punch and release move. And he's good against the run. Um, the bad, you know, the, um, the body type, right? I mean, we don't really know what he's going to be. He's probably going to be edge, but even that, he's a little too little to do that. Um, he missed a lot of tackles, has bad instincts, and he's got stiff hips, hips when you watch him play. You know, he's a little stiff down low, uh, which makes sense just because, because of his size. Um, his potential. I've seen him going maybe late first, but I, I think he's going to end up going early second. I, I mean, the top eight guys that we're going to better break down, six of them are going in the first round. Yeah. So he's on the bubble. Could he go? Maybe. If he does, I like the Chiefs and the Eagles. If not, he's going to be an early second-round pick. Um, I could see this guy maybe going higher if he went to a bigger school, but he didn't. He went to Northwestern. And it's going to be really interesting to see where he goes because, you know, like I said, I said tweener, so it's going to be interesting to see how the team uses him. And, I mean, I, I don't think he's going to be anything crazy. I think he's just going to be a a decent, good football player for any team. Yeah, I think he's going to be a solid. Like, even if he's just a rotational guy, like, he's going to be a solid player wherever yeah, he goes. So, yeah. Not a superstar, we'll but yeah. Yeah, so at number seven, honestly, he's the most exciting guy for me in this position group for the Saints um, because I, I think he's going to be there for us at the end of the first round. And I'm going to be honest, we need a D-end. Um, our edge players are kind of eh, other than Cam Jordan. Like we got Cam Jordan. Um, I want to say um, we still have Peyton Turner, and then I I think we just signed back. Was it Granderson? Or I'm, I'm honestly blanking on the guy we just signed back. But we really we need another edge, and we also need a defensive tackle. But um, D end BJ Ojolari fits the mold for the Saints so well. Like because we need what we need is a speedy pass rusher. The last few years we've had big dudes Marcus Davenport was a bust and what he was was just a big dude who could set the edge on runs but he didn't really have any impact it felt like on pass ru- like pass rush so BJ Ojolari he's 20 years old so he's young compared to this this class he's six foot two, 248 and he can cause problems in the NFL 100% he had five and a half sacks eight and a half tackles for loss and 58 total tackles this past season and this guy off the edge when you see him on film he's so fast He's so quick off the edge and he has long arms to make long tackles, diving tackles, stuff like that. You see him chasing the guy from behind like half the time, like half of his plays on film. He's chasing a quarterback who's rolling out all the way across the field and he gets to him almost every single time. So I'm really intrigued, really intrigued on to teams if he if they let him fall to the end of the first round for the Saints. Um, but some of his weaknesses are he's able to improvise like he's not able to improvise when his first move doesn't work. So like on a pass rush, being like a fast speed rusher, if he doesn't get past the guy, he kind of doesn't really know what to do. He gets kind of stuck on the blocker. Um, he's He can't really set the edge on run plays. So like Marcus Davenport, like I just mentioned, um, he's not the best at setting the edge on those sorts of plays. And then his strength, just in general for the NFL level, he's a little bit weaker. Um, I would really like to see him getting into the gym with whatever team he signs, the NFL, like a strength coach, training him up. Um, but just like on, on film, like I said, he's so exciting to watch. There was a play against Florida State, quarterbacks rolling out right. You see B.J. Ojolari, like the flash, come up 10, 10 15 yards just in a, like a snap, and he's already in his face. So if he gets signed to the Saints, I love it. I think it's a great deal, and I'm excited for it. 
Um, and then the next guy, uh, I forgot him number six as well. We got Will Will McDonald the fourth. Um, he's from Iowa State. He's six foot four and two thirty nine pounds. He's twenty three years old, so he's a little bit older, but he's a very athletic guy. Um, you know, he's quick to get to the edge. Um, he has great bend, and he's able to get really low. Like his hand, like almost touches the ground when he's rushing uh, the quarterback off the edge. Um, and he's able to execute um, the few pass rush moves that he's he uses. So like. Um, the few moves he uses, cause he doesn't have a, like a huge arsenal. He's perfect with them. Like he aces them 100%. And one thing that I found was really interesting. I believe he had, uh, only five sacks this past season, but he had double digit sacks two seasons prior to that. So I'm interested to see like, was that a consistency problem? Did he just not get the same good looks? I don't know what, what happened with that, but he has the production ability. So I'm interested to see if he's able to keep it going. Um, he's not the best in the run game though. Same thing for BJ Ojolari. That's why they're kind of end of first round guys. I see him going end of first round, um, getting off blocks in the run game as well. Like I said, he, he just kind of gets stuck on, stuck on the blocks. So I'm really interested to see, is he able to develop that side of his game? Um, just get better on that side of the game in general. I see him going to the late first round, early second round, possibly if he falls a little bit and the team I see possibly taking would be the chiefs. Uh, just late in the first round, I really think that's a good fit for him, especially if the Saints pick B.J. Ojolari right ahead of the Chiefs. So I'm interested to see how he goes. At number five, we got probably the most interesting guy. The guy, I think the guy that definitely riz up a lot of draft boards, risen up a lot of draft boards, um, Nolan Smith, right? This guy, yeah, from Georgia, 6'2", 238 pounds. He ran a four. Point three nine at the combine. That's fast. But again, that's fast. But also look at his size, right? I mean, he's not like our number eight guy. But he had a good career at Georgia, you know, on that defense, monster defense. Um, his numbers don't blow you away by any means, but um, he's consistent. Um, he's a tough player. Um, he's a, He attacks the pulling guards, tackles, coming his way. He takes it on. Um, yeah. has good hands and he's very athletic. The bad thing is though, he's undersized. I mean, six two, you know, 230 pounds. I mean, Hey, that's some QBs in the league. You know, he's undersized. Um, he has the speed, but he lacks the power rushing. He's not going to bull rush you into the, you know, the QBs lap, but yeah. he grew out of past run past you. Um, you know, sometimes with the size, he's got problems shedding blocks and he's got to like, he's got to be better with his pursuit, especially when he has that speed, that combine spin, like you don't always see it on tape. He doesn't so, utilize it. Yeah. No. So he's got to be better there. Um, but he definitely, I thought he was going in the second round. Now he's going to be a top 20 pick because of the combine he had. Um, he's going to be a top 20 pick. I think he could be a really good starter if a team knows how to use him, you know, and just let him go yeah. rush. And run around tackles, um, you know, maybe just like a third down guy. Honestly, I don't. He's not the best against the run. Um, you know, I think he's undersized to be a three-four linebacker. Um, so yeah, it depends what what the team you know uses him for. Um, the Packers have fifteen. It's definitely a realistic spot. The Packers, the past two years, have had three first-round draft picks. They've taken three. Georgia defenders who had awesome combines. Eric Stokes, Devontae Wyatt, Quay Walker. Could this be number four? Maybe, right? 
everyone could use pass rusher. Everyone could use, you know, someone extra on the edge. Nolan Smith's probably going to be there at 15. If he's there, could Green Bay take him? Without a doubt. If not, I could see him going to the Eagles, Titans, Texans, Jets. And you're going to see this with our next two, three guys. Through 10 and 15 in the draft, There's so with many these teams, teams Eagles, Titans, Texans, Jets, and the Packers, Patriots are in that too, but I don't know. But even that team, they could they could get an edge rusher. But like those teams, those are where the edges are going to go. I could see three of them taken in those five picks. So yeah, it's going to be interesting. But that's when the run's going to go on them. To be honest, I think two of them are going to go in the top ten, and I think two and three or three of them could go in between ten and fifteen. But that's Nolan Smith. Yeah. So at number four, we got a guy who I honestly personally don't feel is a first round talent, but he's got the first round tangibles. Um, he's got the size. So it's going to be Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa. He's six foot five, 272, and he's built like Thor. This guy is huge. And you see not, him in pictures. Not as good looking, though. Yeah, not as good looking as Chris, Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. But <laughs> he's, he ran a 4.5840 at 272, which is, that's impressive. Like, it's just, it's just impressive. Uh, he benched 17 reps. And this past, over the last two seasons, he had 13 sacks, 19 tackle for losses. And, um, you know, that's impressive, but here's the, here's the most interesting thing with Lucas Van Ness. He never started a game for Iowa, not once. I don't know if that's because, you know, he's just a key rotational guy or the coaches just felt like he wasn't startable. Like maybe he wasn't consistent enough. Um, so I think that's something NFL teams are going to look at, but I do still see him going in the first round. Like I'm going to talk about right now. So um, he can play both inside and outside with his size, 272, 6'5". He's big enough to, to plug the holes on the inside, and and he's fast enough to get off the outside. So he uses a good bull rush on pass plays and uses his size well. He's able to utilize his, his size, his frame. And so he knows how to use his, like, like I said, just the size in general. It works out for him. That's what he uses to, for his game all throughout every phase of, of pass rush, run plays, everything. Um, but his weaknesses, he's really inconsistent on run plays. Like you, you can see him, like his effort, um, his tackling. It's not the best on run plays. Um, and he, and I already said how he always never started a game at Iowa. And he's rough around the edges. Like he just flat out is. Like he's never started. He's inconsistent on run plays, pass plays. He's even a little bit inconsistent. But like I said, it's his size and his frame and his speed. Just his athleticism in general, it's going to get him up on draft boards because that's what NFL teams want to see. Um, so overall, I think I have him going in the first round. I don't think he's a first-round talent, in my opinion. Watching him on film, I'm not overly excited about this guy like I am B.J. Ojolari or um, Will, Mc Will McDonald or anyone else in, on, in this list. Um, but I think he's going to go mid to late first round. Like John said, 10-15 is like a perfect range for him. I could pick any of those teams and say he's going to go there. So I think it's up to kind of how the draft falls. Uh, is there going to be a run of DNs? Um, if there is, Lucas Van Ness is going to fall 10 to 15. So I'm interested to see where he lands. Yeah. And you saw it with these last two guys. The combine is such a big factor to where yeah. they end up and how they move up. That, hey, these guys are probably second-round picks, but because of that awesome 40 time, because of that combine performance, they're going to be a top 20, it, top 15 pick. Up, so it's big. At number three, we got Miles Murphy from Clemson. 6'5", 268 pounds. Um, consistent production at Clemson. Um, he started three years, had a total of 17 and a half sacks. Um, 
the good. I mean, the size, the frame, the length, he's good. You know, he's versatile. So, you know, he's NFL ready in that way. Um, he's great pursuit. He's got, got great pursuit for a big guy. Um, really quick first step. And he pushes tackles in the QB's, into the QB's lap all the time. On the bad, he doesn't really have a bunch of strategies to get past the tackle other than just bull rush. Um, you know, he's got to work on finding a way to get inside of that tackle more. Um, takes a while to him to get into top speed when in pursuit. And he's got to improve as a tackler. There's a lot of missed tackles in the backfield. Um, and like we just said, top 15 pick, 10 um, to 15, Titans, Texans, Jets, Eagles, Packers. That's where I think he is going to land. Yeah, and then like we said, we think two guys are going to be in the top 10. We're getting into that right now. Uh, this first guy is Tyree Wilson at number two. Uh, he's from Texas Tech, six foot six, two seventy one. Um, last season, he had seven sacks and fourteen tackles for loss. Um, he's great in the run game, and his tackling is impressive. Like you'll see on film, he has a great wingspan. I think it's like thirty six inch long arms, just insane. He can reach out for these running backs. He's diving for him, and he makes the tackle almost every single time. So it's awesome to see on tape. And NFL teams are going to notice that. So he also has great effort when he's chasing these ball carriers. And like I said, that that's what gets him to those tackles is that effort. So um, I'm sure to see how teams see his film, if they see him as a really impressive guy. Um, his weaknesses, uh, his pass rush is really inconsistent um, just due to sloppy moves. Like his pass rush moves aren't aren't aced like a couple other guys we've talked about. And he he does a lot of bull rushes and swim moves, but after that, like if he has to do a different move, um, nothing is really perfected, like I said. So overall, I just think he needs to improve his consistency in the pass rush game, and this guy's going to be – he's going to put the league on notice. So I think he's going to land at number five with the Seahawks. Pete Carroll, I think he's going to fall in love with him. Um, Will Anderson's going to be gone, who's the next guy on the list. But And I believe um, – you know, I, I just think it's going to be a great fit for Seattle, so I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, Seattle's just an interesting spot with Jalen Carter too, because yeah. you know we both have a if Jalen Carter that, falls. Yeah, we think Arizona's going to take our next guy on the list, and Jalen Carter's going to be there. And D line is just—it's a need for Seattle. They got Drummond Jones um, in free agency, and add to it now, right? Do they get Jalen Carter? Make it better. Do they, do they get? Yeah. Um, you know, do they get an, an end? So it's interesting. You know, another team too that I like to point out is maybe the Raiders. I Number mean, seven, I, th- yeah. I think, I think the, I don't think they're going QB. You know, I mean, there's been talks about that, but I think they I think go corner. Around, yeah, yeah, I think they go corner or they go edge rusher. So it's gonna be interesting to see where, where he lands. Number one, Will Anderson Jr. from Alabama, 6'3", 253 pounds. Um, Three-year starter for Alabama, 34.5 sacks with 17.5 of them coming in 2021. Ran a 4.6 at the combine. It's good speed. Um, Good. Good build with great arm length. Get off is fantastic. Has a bunch of ways he can attack you from the edge. Athleticism and closing burst to stop edged plays is is awesome. Um. Tracks plays down from the backside. And, you know, like like we just said, you know, this pursuit, that's where, you know, he gets a lot of those tackles, just not giving up on play and chasing it down. The bad, if there is any, 
sometimes, you know, his motor, his energy takes a hit at times. But, you know, that's kind of like every player too, which is how in shape you are. And, you know, if I would say one thing, I'd just like maybe improve on his run defense a little better. Yeah. But, I mean, not a lot to fix. I mean, not a ton to fix. He's, he's an awesome player. I think he's going to be a Pro Bowl player at this next level. And I think him to Arizona at three is just a lock. It's yeah, a lock first, at this point. First two quarterbacks, first two picks, and then Arizona, yeah. they don't need a quarterback. Yeah. And you look at player. Arizona, too. Their defensive line, J.J. Watt retired. Zach Allen, who started coming along. Their young edge rusher just signed a big contract. I forget. Broncos. Yeah, Broncos. Broncos, yeah. And so, yeah, they, they have the need. Didn't really address it in uh, free agency. So I think it's a good spot for him, especially just with Jalen Carter. The off-field issues, I think he would be the pick. But with him being a little uncertain, you know, number three, you go with a safe choice, Will Anderson. All right, guys, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Um, just some quick reminders before we let you go. We're going to be having two episodes a week on Monday morning. And Friday morning is when you're going to get them. Um, just each one breaking down the position groups. And the next position group is the receivers that you will get Friday morning. And I have confirmation that Ned Stimson will be back to help us Hell break yeah. down the receivers. So very exciting there. Um, but that's it. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, t- Twitter, and TikTok on, at Jake's Hammer Pod. Uh, you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube at Jenks and the Hammer Podcast. If you watch on YouTube, please make sure to like, subscribe, and comment. Agree, disagree. We want to hear it. Um, have a good week. We'll see you guys Friday morning. See you guys. Thank you for tuning in to the Jenks and the Hammer Podcast. Remember to leave a review and follow all of our social media pages at Jenks Hammer Pod for more content. Until next time, who that? And go, Pat, go. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.